present to you today a letter Archbishop Vigano released on Ash Wednesday. You may say this is a little late, but his message here is pretty clear and definitely applicable to the rest of our Lenten journey. And it's relatively short, too, which is nice. Sometimes Vigano tends to write letters that are about 30 minutes in recording time. So this was nice. It was relatively short. But his message is pretty simple. We are journeying through Lent. He begins by telling us about ancient practices that are so outlandish compared to, to our modern soft ears that we would think the church had completely become much more merciful and everything else. But he reminds us that these practices being done away with have not actually helped us and may have undermined us. He reminds us that we walk through the mystery of iniquity. He reminds us by invoking the example of the Ninevites that we have 40 days. And they had 40 days till chastisement. And the rumor is further restrictions on the Latin Mass will be issued 40 days into Lent. Food for thought. Plus the geopolitical reality going on right now, getting worse it seems every week, looms over everything. So 40 days we march through the mystery of iniquity. In Cenere et Cilicio, homily on Ash Wednesday, in Capite Hehuni, by Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano. There is only one thing that moves the Lord to compassion before the multitude of our sins, penance. That sincere penance which confirms in the outward attitude true repentance for the faults committed, the intention of no longer committing them, the will to repair them, and above all the sorrow for having offended the divine majesty with them. In Cenere et Cilicio, with ashes and with Cilice, that is, with that shaggy and prickly cloth from Cilicia, woven of goat hair or horse hair, which was used as a garment by Roman soldiers, and which represents the spiritual and material clothing of the penitent. The divine liturgy of this day was anciently reserved for public sinners, on whom a period of penance was imposed until Holy Thursday, at which the bishop gave them absolution. We cast you out of the enclosure of Holy Mother Church because of your sins and crimes, just as the first man, Adam, was cast out of paradise because of his transgression. So intimated the bishop in the moving rite described in the Roman pontifical before addressing to them an exhortation not to despair of the Lord's mercy, committing themselves by fasting, prayer, pilgrimage, almsgiving, and other goods, works to achieve the fruits of true penance. Once this fatherly and stern admonition was over, the penitents knelt barefoot in the churchyard and saw the doors of the cathedral closed, where the bishop celebrated the divine mysteries. Forty days later, on Holy Thursday, they would return before those doors in the same resigned garments, kneeling, holding a blown-out candle in their hands. The in silentio, audente audite, the archdeacon would have intimidated to them, and he would have continued addressing the bishop on behalf of the public penitents, recalling their works of reparation. Levante aque, levante lacrime. Then, three times, the bishop would intone the antiphon venete and welcome them into the church where they would throw themselves moved at his feet, prostrate et flentes. At this point, the archdeacon would have said, Restore in them apostolic pontiff what the devil's seductions have corrupted. By the merits of your prayers and through the grace of reconciliation, make these men close to God, so that those who are formerly ashamed of their sins may now rejoice in pleasing the Lord in the land of the living, having defeated the author of their own ruin. I wanted to dwell on this very ancient rite, and which I urge you to read and meditate on for your edification, in order to make you understand how 
the just severity of the church is never separated from her maternal mercy, following the Lord's example. If she were to deny that there are faults to be atoned for, she would fail in justice. If she deluded sinners into thinking that they could merit forgiveness without sincere repentance, she would offend God's mercy and lack charity. Instead, it never ceases to remind us that we are children of wrath because of Adam's sins, our own sins, the sins of our brothers and sisters, and the public sins, now execrable, of the nations. The Holy Church reminds us of the penance of Adam and Eve, the redemption that began in the same paradise with the curse of the serpent and the proclamation of the proto-gospel. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. She shall crush your head and you shall undermine her heel. See Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. The Holy Church shows us the many occasions when under the old law our fathers again sinned and, obtain, and again obtained mercy from God through penance. The example of the inhabitants of Nineveh is also recalled in the orations and texts of the blessing of the holy ashes. It shows us, especially in the liturgy of Lent, Passion Week and Holy Week, the obedience of the Son of God to the will of the Father, to accomplish the wondrous work of redemption, brought to completion on the wood of the cross. It sets before us the example of the penitent saints, points us to the necessity of repentance and conversion, instructs us with the admirable pedagogy of the sacred rites to understand the gravity of sin, the enormity of the offense against the divine majesty, the infinity of the merits of our Lord's sacrifice that renews on our altars. That door that moves slowly and heavily on its hinges to close on penitence, leaving them far from the altar, is not deaf cruelty, but the suffered severity of a mother who does not cease to pray for them, who waits for them, trusting to see them repentant and aware of the supreme good of which their faults have deprived them. For the same reason, from Passion Week and up, up until the Easter Vigil, the crosses and holy images in churches are veiled to remind us of our unworthiness as sinners and of God's silence, a silence that our Lord also experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross, and that similarly the mystics experienced in the spiritual torments of the Dark night. Where has all this gone? Why was it that at the very moment when the world most needed to be called back to, to fidelity to Christ, the church's liturgy was stripped of its most pedagogically effective symbols? Why has the rite of expulsion of public penitence been abolished, and with it that of their reconciliation? And again, why do pastors no longer speak to us about original sin, the way of the cross, the necessity of penance? Why is divine justice silenced or denied? While God's mercy is twisted and thwarted, as if we were entitled to it regardless of our contrition, why do we hear that absolution is not to be denied to anyone when repentance, as the Council of Trent teaches, is an inseparable matter of the sacrament, along with confession of one's sins and satisfaction of penance? Why is the meditation on death, the inevitability of judgment, the reality of perdition for the condemned and heaven for the chosen, silent? because a Luciferian pride has led to the building of an idol instead of the true God. What could be more consoling than knowing that our countless infidelities, even the most serious, can be forgiven if only we humbly acknowledge ourselves guilty and in need of the mercy of God, who gave his only begotten Son to save us and make us blessed for eternity? It is the mystery of iniquity, dear children, the mystery of iniquity, of how it is permitted by God to temper us and make us deserving of the eternal prize, how it can appear triumphant in its obscene arrogance, while the good works in silence and without clamor, how it succeeds in seducing men with false promises, making them forget the horror of sin, the monstrosity of making us responsible for every affliction suffered by the Savior, every spit, every beating, every scourge, every wound, every thorn, every drop of his most precious blood, every one of his tears, and above all for every spiritual pain caused to the man God by our ingratitude. 
responsible for every suffering of his most holy mother, whose immaculate heart is pierced by sharp swords, uniting her to the passion of her divine son. Forty days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. See the book of the prophet Jonah, chapter 3, verse 2, announces the prophet Jonah. The Ninevites believed God, proclaimed a fast, and clothed themselves in sackcloth, everyone from the largest to the smallest. And because the news had reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his cloak, covered himself with sackcloth, and, and sat down on the ashes. Then by the decree of the king and his great ones, such an order was made known in Nineveh as follows. Let man and beast, or herds and flocks, taste nothing. Let them not go to pasture or drink water. Let men and beasts cover themselves with sackcloth and cry out to God with strength. Let everyone be converted from his wickedness and from the violence done by his hands. Perhaps God will reconsider, repent, and quench his fiery anger so that we do not perish. Forty more days. This warning also applies to us, perhaps more than it did to the Ninevites. It applies to this corrupt and rebellious world, which has taken away Christ's royal crown to let Satan, murderous from the beginning, reign there. It applies to the once Catholic nations where the horror of the Moloch ritual and uh, the assisted ending of the living, genetic manipulation, and the twisting of customs cries out for vengeance to heaven. It applies to the church, infested with false pastors and mercenaries, who have become servants and accomplices of the prince of this world, and who consider the faithful entrusted to them as enemies. It applies to each one of us, who in the face of this universal subversion believe we can escape the fight by seeking shelter in the comfortable prospect of God's miraculous intervention, or by pretending we can live with his enemies, accepting their blackmail on the condition that they leave us our little spaces in which to celebrate the Tridentine Mass. Forty more days. This is the time that separates us from the dreaded pontifical document by which Peter's authority, instituted to preserve the unity of the faith and the bond of charity, will once again be used to accuse of schism those who do not want to bend to new illicit restrictions of what for 2,000 years has been the church's most precious treasure and the most tremendous bulwark against heretics, the holy sacrifice of the mass. And he who tears Christ's unchaste robe by spreading heresies and scandals will seek to banish from the sacred precinct those who remain faithful to the Lord. Forty more days. This is the propitious time in which each one of us, in the secrecy of his chamber, will be able to pray, fast, do penance, give alms, and perform good works to atone for his own sins, to make reparation for the public sins of the nations, to implore the divine majesty not to abandon his inheritance, the holy church, to the oblivion of being dominated by the nations. With these dispositions, dear children, you will not need to be reminded of the law of abstinence and fasting, for you will know how to accumulate those spiritual treasures that no earthly power can take away from you, and which will be the best preparation for the celebration of Easter that awaits us at the end of the Lenten journey. In Cenere et Cilicio, may the ashes be a sign of the vanity of the world, of the illusory nature of its promises, of the inexorability of temporal death. May this stinging chiliche that the soldiers used for clothing spur us on to the good fight. As the concluding prayer of the blessing of ashes exhorts us, grant us, Lord, to begin with holy fast the defenses of the Christian militia, that we may be armed with the protection of continents, having to fight against spiritual enemies. Amen. Signed, Carlo Maria Vigano, 22nd of February, 2023. I hope you found that letter inspirational to help reinforce the need for a good Lent this year. Yes, we're a few days into the Lenten journey already, but I think from time to time getting a reinforced message from Vigano or from others of the good bishops will help us through this journey. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments. And I hope you have a good Lenten journey. And if you are not normally one to listen to the 
up writings of the saints and things that I present on weekends in the mornings. I would invite you to do that this time during Lent because I'm presenting the writings of St. Francis de Sales every Sunday morning through Lent until I run out of them from his collected works on Lent. They are spiritual food for the journey. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. As does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.